Greetings and welcome to Remnant Speaks. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Coach J, coming at you live from Remnant Fellowship, that place that has a special space for young adults. What we try to do is to engage them, nourish them, restore them, and equip them for Christian service. So this podcast is an opportunity for us to have dialogue, open and free dialogue so that we might be able to talk about the topics that's most important to us, so we can get a better understanding, so that we can grow. Tonight's topic happens to be, should we march and protest for black rights or civil rights? We have an excellent group of panelists this evening. I'm gonna let them introduce themselves and then we'll get started. And we're going to start off with none other than Paul Copeland. Tell us a little bit, of, a little bit about yourself, Paul. Hey, good evening, Coach Jay. Uh, Paul Copeland grew up in Kentucky, served in the military for 20 years, now reside in Virginia. Uh, try to do outreach uh, with our community through the church I attend, Colossian Baptist Church, and through our beloved fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. But thank you, Paul, and it is an honor for you and for me to have you here. And we're going to start off again with uh, Coach Hargett. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Coach. All right, good evening, everyone. My name is Kerry Hargett. I'm an educator for Clayton County Public Schools. I've been in education since 1996, and I'm just looking forward to having a good debate and a good chat about the topic that Coach Jay picked out tonight. Thank you, Coach. We appreciate you. Um, we have a newbie on the podcast, and that's none other than David Coleman. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Dave. Hello. <laughs> How's everybody doing? My name is uh, David. I go by Amen. I am a community event orchestrator and healer. Uh, I am... I would say about uh, three years divorced so far. I spent 20 years married uh, in the military service. I did 11 years. Um, so far, I've been just working on getting my college degree. I'm, I'm taking currently uh, business accounting, and uh, I've already gotten a, a, a degree in uh, healing arts and the healing arts of medicine, oriental medicine and so on. So uh, my, my goal is just to apply that to the community and, and help teach people how to heal themselves. Uh, psychologically, physically, and spiritually. Fantastic. That's That sounds like a good thing. And that's why you're here. We need those kinds of minds. We also have a, a very interesting- I'm so making it the last guy, I apologize. No problem. Um, and that is Ronald Gibson. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ron. Doc, ain't a whole lot to tell, man. I am from the great state of Mississippi. I ain't no big shot, just a little shot that keep on shooting, Doc. Uh, that's, that's pretty much all it is, bro. <laughs> you know, Ron, you know, it, th there are some things that are real wide, and then there are some things that are real deep. And, and you are the one that is wide and deep. So I appreciate you being on. And we're going to end up with our own illustrious Josh Skanderit. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Josh. Well, I'm just a poor young man that uh, gets invited to these things from time to time. 
like to give a little bit of input here or there. Um, I like to think of myself as wise a little bit. I like to surround myself with smart individuals and people that know a lot about things that I don't know about. That's, that's me. Well, we appreciate you. You are a bulwark within Remnant Fellowship, and we really appreciate you and your wife for all that you do. Um, this evening's podcast uh, originated out of the mind of Josh, by the way. Um, I was in the same kind of mindset as I was watching what's going on in TV and some of the social media outlets and what's happening on the political front. And um, oftentimes I have conversations with many different individuals as it relates to Black America, uh, politics, um, what's happening socially. And so the idea of um, marching that took place last year and protests that took place uh, in January 6th, um, and now it seems like we're on the cusp of maybe entering into another um, marching, demonstrating, protesting kind of uh, um, atmosphere. And I think when we do this, it's all for a particular reason, and that is we want our rights. Some people feel like we're not getting the rights that we deserve. And um, some feel that the best way to do that is by protesting. And then I often think, okay, so what are we protesting? And who are we protesting for? Because now this thing seems to be split down the middle and it's us versus them. And us is not getting what we deserve. So we protest and then them, they feel like we're doing something that they shouldn't be. And so we get stuck in the middle and I think we've got a mess on our hands and I need some bright minds to help me figure this out. So my first question on this evening is, um, do you think, do any of y'all, and, and I would like for each one of you to answer this in your own way, but do you think marching and protesting for civil rights has played out? Is that the end all be all? Should we do this anymore? What do you think, Paul? Hey, thank you, Coach Jay. No, our First Amendment right gives us that right for, to exercise free speech. That's the legally the only way you can do it. So we can never, ever stop marching, start and stop protesting. When we do, we, we, we live in a society where anything goes. And let's be clear, protesting, people think protesting is peaceful. It is peaceful, but nothing, it's always uncomfortable. If it wasn't uncomfortable, you wouldn't be protesting. So I think we should always continue, continue to exercise our First Amendment right. Some people will disagree, and they have the right to divorce their own opinion. It's protected speech. But no, uh, at the end of the day, we continue to do it. We have to. You know, if we don't, we become the unheard. And what did Dr. King say about the voice of the unheard? Rioting is the voice of the unheard. So just to wrap it up, continue. We have to continue. Thank you. What do you think, Dave? Is, is, is protesting and, and demonstrating uh, gone by the wayside?
Thank you. Um, no, I don't think it's gone by the wayside. I think that um, we need to shift our intentions uh, as to what we are marching and protesting for. For instance, I don't think that we should be advocating for equal rights anymore. If we uh, examine ourselves as a people, we, we have a, a, a God-given mandate to live on this earth um, and to treat others as we would treat ourselves. Now, we, we know that this is not the way with those who are warmongers. Um, and so to avoid getting into that aspect of it, I think that we should focus more on, if we're going to be marching, we should be doing so for the love of our people. If we're going to be having events where we're coming together to march, we shouldn't be marching for rights anymore. That's already ours. They're denying us of that because we're still involved in the system the minute we're marching for equal rights in a system that has never granted us equal rights. So now it's time for us to continue doing things like what they did in Black Wall Street and rebuilding our communities together. When we come together, we should have more events that involve the community coming together so that we can break down these barriers of being afraid of each other. Uh, there are all those people who are gonna invocate because that's what they do. Uh, that's what they've done for centuries. But we as a people can override that coming together with the love. And uh, I think that we should focus more on uh, things that it, as far as like, one of, I know one of my brothers is an educator. We desperately need that in the communities of people who teach children how to grow food, people who teach children how to, how to uh, formulate medicines, scientific methods of, you know, uh, 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 designing things that are gonna help purify water things like that. I think we should focus more on our own monetary system. I think we should focus more on things like that to, to rebuild our communities. Got you. What do you think, Josh? See, I, I'm one of those individuals that I don't have an issue with marching as long as we're marching for something that is as long as we know what we're marching for and we don't get swayed left or right. I don't want to be just out there marching saying, hey, I'm out here marching because I want to be seen or marching because it's cool, marching because it's BLM. No, if I'm going to be out there marching, potentially putting my life at risk, it needs to be something that I believe in. It needs to be something that I believe in that's going to not just benefit me, but benefit my kids and the generations to come. Because let's be honest, when we're out there marching or protesting or any of that, you don't know what's going to happen. At the spur of a moment, anything can change. And it can be your life or their life. So I need to make sure that it's worth it. What, what, what do you think, Ron? Is, is, is marching really significant? Is it really helping anything? Uh, thanks, Doc. Uh, no. It's not. It's a tired strategy. It's used. It's played. It affects no one. It causes no change and no one pays attention to it. It makes a lot of noise. It causes a lot of drama, kicks up a lot of dust. But after all that dust settles and it's over with, nothing really happens as a direct result of that. Now, to that point, I've asked this question and I asked this question a good bit last year during the protest that went on during that time. And I've yet to get an answer. Maybe one of these brothers here can give me an answer. Maybe you can give me an answer. Or maybe somebody from the listening audience can give me an answer. I've read through, uh, you know, our constitution, 
our Declaration of Independence, even the Articles of Confederation. Obviously, I haven't read every state and every municipality, every local uh, law, and it's so obviously that. But I read through a little bit of that. I hadn't read through the entire United States Code, uh, FRCP, or none of that. But I'm waiting for someone to give me concrete, not rhetoric, not theory, not emotion, not feeling, concrete, codified law that states that one group of people can do this and another group of people cannot. I'm waiting for that citation, not what you think, not what you feel, not what you want, not what somebody who's making a lot of money doing something said, but an actual citation. Because my brother referenced the First Amendment earlier. And yes, in here, the First Amendment does give us the right. It, I'm sorry. It says that Congress will not abridge free speech the same way it says the Second Amendment that it should not be infringed on that. And it does give us the right to peaceably assemble, to peaceably assemble. So that is, those are guaranteed inalienable rights contained within the Constitution of the United States that we all live in. So my question is, where is the law, the ordinance, the 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 civil procedure, the criminal procedure? Where is the codified thing that is telling us this you can do and this you cannot do solely because? You're different. If someone hasn't answered me on that, then I'll feel differently about marching and protesting. But if all you got is rhetoric and theory and what the TV told me and what so-and-so said because they had this position, that's fine. But at the end of the day, that means nothing because all that person is going to do is pull the strings, play you, and then they're going to go off and enjoy their life and you're going to be stuck with whatever the results are. So it's, 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 it's old. It's tired. I respect highly the folks that, uh, put themselves in harm's way for that. I've got stuff in the library that, that I will have forever so that my son and generations after him will understand what those people did to sacrifice, lay down their lives in that manner. So I'm not disrespecting what people have done, but this is not then. This is now. And that methodology, that, that doesn't work. What do you think, Brother Hargit? All right. Now, what I think is this, and I think I've said this before, if you want to institute or bring upon change, you have to march, you have to protest, and you have to vote. It takes all three of those things to get to where we want to be. And sometimes I think people get fixated on just doing one component of the three things that I mentioned. Yeah, it's, yeah I know kids and some people like to go out there when they're protesting. And it's like, um, I think someone said, sometimes, I think Josh said it, sometimes they don't even know why they're out there protesting. They're just out there. They don't know the real message and what's going on sometimes. But I think if we can get more informed, better informed people, like I said, you can march, you can protest, you can vote. That's the only way you're going to overcome the things that are in front of us. That's the only way. That's the only way we're going to get changes in this country. You got to do all three. You can't become fixated with one and ignore the other two and think you're going to reach the promised land. That's just the way I feel. You got to do all three. You can march, you can protest, peaceful protest, and um, you can vote. You got to do those things. And, and voting is a big part of it. You got to get your people in there. And right now, I'll just tell them, we don't, we don't get enough of our people in there. When I say our people, it depends on your political affiliation, people who look like you, people who think like you, right? We're outnumbered. We got to figure out a way to get our people in to take an interest in the things that matter to us. So, but I think all three have to be done in order to get changes. 
Got you. Um, I want to I want to uh, dovetail into one of the statements. Um, I, I I understand the 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 direction that you're moving, bro, Ron, with um, not seeing anything that can codify um, one person can do something that another person cannot because that's what laws are. Laws are um, equally, um, they're written to be equal. They're written um, to be um, blameless. They're written for a reason so that people can uphold them. And um, I think the reason why people protest and march is not because there's a law that says you can't do something, but there are people that take that law and tell you that you can't do something, even though the law says that you can. And so when the law itself is not upheld by the individuals or the people who are supposed to uphold the law, then something has to be done in order to bring light to this situation because an injustice has occurred and somebody needs to right that wrong. It's not the law, the law is not the issue. The, the trying to find something that says you can't do something, but they can, that's not the issue. I think the issue is when you apply the law different for 375 people of one color, and you then apply it differently with 375 people of another color, or sex, or gender, or you know whatever you you tend to make the 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 inequality for, and I think that's the point for the marching. But I could be wrong. What do you think? I know Paul had wanted to get in when the uh, brother Hoggett was speaking, so I yield to Paul before I respond. Oh, okay, thanks, brother. Thanks, Rock. No, you know. I don't, I don't think you're ever going to find where it says one people could do something, the law prevents another people from doing another thing. That changed with the Civil Rights Act of 1964-65. But, and the Constitution clearly states anybody, anyone can peacefully protest and peacefully assemble. So I don't think you're going to find that. But I would say that going back to what you're saying, and even Josh said it, marching just to be marching, well, marching starts it. Protesting starts. And look at the racial reckoning we've had in this country. It started with the protest. And it started because not only in this country, around the world, what happened with George Floyd. Now the plan has to go to the second and third phase. Now you need legislation to address that, to address that. And I think it's what Corey was saying. And that starts with voting. But if we don't and just sit back and do nothing, then nothing will ever change. That, that's just, just my perspective. So then you got to have a vision. But what's the plan? Now you see these different factions, you know, we talked about, or some of it's money grab. We, let's be honest. Some of it's a money grab for different leaders and different people. But until you protest or march, make people uncomfortable about what happened, then you follow through with legislation and a plan, then we're just spinning wheels. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks. Let me, uh, let me say uh, to you, Brother Paul, and, and uh David, uh, thank you for your service. I, I always try to
I think we got a glitch. I think he froze. I think he froze. Yeah. That's the great state of Mississippi. <laughs> well, go ahead, Dave. Pick up and we'll he'll, he'll get back in. He, he's done. We've done this before. What do you think, Dave? Um, as I stated earlier, yeah, I, I kind of agree with, uh, I believe it's Ronald. Yeah. Mr. Ronald. I agree with him in the fact that, uh, that um, marching, I, I don't think that marching doesn't solve anything. I disagree with that, but I believe that we've evolved beyond that now to where we should be doing uh, other things other than just marching for civil rights. That's we, we, we have to invoke our rights within ourselves. We have to educate ourselves as to what our rights really are before we can start marching for them. And I, I think that as, for instance, he mentioned something about quoting citations. I couldn't quote to him a citation specifically. I'm not that educated, but I could tell you right now that tax laws have been a heavy burden upon uh, very uh, uh, specific cultures, I'll put it that way, um, which have kind of enabled us from being able to do the things that we would do. For instance, redlining in places like Detroit. Um, why is it that only certain communities get affected with uh, redlining? You know, things like that need to be addressed and they do actually absolutely prohibit people from being able to achieve the thing. They're selling houses in Detroit for a dollar. <laughs> you know, I mean, these things need to be uh, understood and addressed that uh, as a whole, we have been disfranchised, but it's, it's to the extent to where now it's like, it's almost like aside from places like Kenya, where they literally have no drinking water, there are other places where the, the communities are just separated and, and, and distraught from crime and, and police brutality and things of that nature. So I think it's it, it, it protesting and marching uh, for, for, for certain communities is a necessity for them. We can't tell them that they shouldn't do that no more because that's a necessity for them. But there are other communities that are more evolved that they should be putting resources together to help aid the communities in different ways, uh, especially with their inventions, with their ideas. There are communities now, especially black communities that are building uh, um, banks within their community. We didn't have that. You know, we, have, we haven't had that in years. So I, I think Things like that need to be more of the focus instead of marching for civil rights. Am I am I hearing am I hearing the ideal that what King and Abernathy and so many others had done in the '60s um, has played out? When in essence, if it wasn't for the '60s and the '70s and the protests and the marches, we wouldn't be able to sit where we are now and have that conversation and have this conversation because the powers that be don't give away their power for free. And so when there is something that's unequal, uh, when disenfranchisement happens, I mean, you can always go back. I mean, at one point, right? Everybody here was three fifths of a person and that was the law. And so there are laws doesn't necessarily protect you from being disenfranchised. You, you can always say, well, you got the same right to start a business as they got the right to start the business. That's true. But when you go to start the business, you've got individuals that saying, no, I'm not lending to you, but I'll lend to them. That, I believe, is what creates the march. Could I be wrong? 
No, I don't think – I'm sorry. You can go ahead, um, Brother Paul. I thought you were about to say something. No, go ahead, bro. You got it. Well, Jay, I would have to agree with you, and I think something um, David said sticks out uh, with the redlining. Redlining affected our communities because we didn't get to buy houses. You know, during the during – the, um, I'm, I'm a history teacher. I have to tell them on vacation. During the boom after World War II, we didn't get the benefit from that. We didn't get to move out to the suburbs and buy houses and watch that house increase in value and pass that, that generational wealth on to, to the members of our families. We were kind of pushed into certain areas, you know, a certain area of a big city, maybe where all the black people were, and maybe like Asia with Asians, it could have been Chinatown or different places. We were pigeonholed into those areas and we didn't get a chance to really get it to make any money, to build wealth for our families. Like um, some people think about it, there's still a big gap with the number of African-Americans that own houses. Redlining affected us. And I think something else you got, you were saying, Coach, um, the laws are designed for everyone to feel like we have the same rights. Like I tell people, I would never feel comfortable open carrying because you've seen what happens when we open carry. They still see us as a threat. We can have the permit, everything. And we've seen um, the young man that passed away in um, Minnesota. I can't pronounce his name, but remember that happened to him. He was trying to show him his ID. Hey, I'm a licensed carrier. They still killed that dude. So it's little things. Sometimes I tell people, yeah, you have that right, but I would be careful because we, we're not viewed the same as some other <laughs> licensed carriers. Yeah. So it's just something to think about. I just tell people you the laws that right. we have the same rights, but sometimes they don't give them to us. Yeah, you can be right and you can be dead right. Right. Now, I just want to chime in a little bit. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with that because simply, simply because, I mean, yeah, we all have the same laws of the land. Okay, we can agree on that. But just because we all supposed to have the same laws of the land, it's supposed to abide by, it's supposed to be covered and have this umbrella that we all can function under these laws. We're not all treated the same under these laws, whether it's based on our religion, our uh, skin color, whatever it is, we can be treated differently, even though we still are functioning under the law within the law. Let's put it like that. As you said, uh, Mr. Hargit, the gentleman was killed and he had the permit and everything. Right. So now if I'm a gun carrying permit owning law-abiding citizen you think i want to reach for my permit to show an officer no what's going to stop him from doing me that way but then you have white gentlemen i'm gonna say it european caucasian whatever you want to call them they open carry with m4s m16s uh dracos whatever you want to call them they walk around with these slung over their shoulder and they don't even ask them if they have a permit or anything so the laws may be there, but if you're going to treat the individual or individuals or a group of people differently, even though a law is there, then the laws aren't working. So maybe, just maybe, and that's why I came up with the topic, just maybe we need to be asking for black rights, not black women rights, but rights for black men. They're more, they're, they're killing more black men than black women. The, the law passed for 64 and 65 was for black women. It gave them the rights where they went and started protesting and standing for women's rights. 
no longer for black rights, but for women's rights. But what we're looking for are black rights for black men. Gotcha. So, and this is what kind of struck me strange. And I thought about it and I was like, hmm, is there a difference between rights for black Americans, people of color, Asian Americans, or is civil rights the coverall for all ethnicities? What do we think? No, there's no difference. Not in this country. And these gentlemen that have traveled the world with the United States military will affirm that I'm affirm that in this country, our rights are no different for any individual that walks the streets in this country. I've never been to the places that these gentlemen have been, but I'm very positive that they can affirm that our governments at each level do not treat our citizens indifferently as do some countries actually do. I've never been there, but I'll just point out Saudi Arabia. If you are a female, you are found on the street and you expose portions of your physical body, you can be stoned and or killed on the street legitimately. We do not do that in the United States. So to try to run that narrative and try to compare us with some unnecessary extreme, I'm pretty sure these gentlemen that have served in the United States military will tell me that is a foolish narrative to try to compare us to, to, to what they have going on. Blacks rights or civil rights? Now, we weren't comparing the laws of Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan or Kuwait or anything of that nature, uh, Ron, because I promise you, I, I've been around the world a few times, even with my brother David down there, we went a few places together. The point that I was bringing to, well, bringing, well trying to bring about was that, you know, for years we've always protested and stood trying to get civil rights. But at some point we have to streamline it and say, hey, we want rights for black men. The LGBTQ community, they said they want gay rights. They want rights just for them. The Asian people stood up and said, hey, we want rights for us. So when is it okay for us black men to say we want rights for black men? That's the question. Don't do that, brother, because I'm going to tell you something. And I almost got fooled with the, and I'm not going to take a lot of time. I almost got fooled with the nonsense of 2020. Almost did. I, I really, it's a sexy argument. It's a very sexy argument. Very sexy topic. Uh, very in, very titillating, but I almost got fooled by it until I went and 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 I actually picked up a copy of this, Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky, and I really wanted to see what it was. And back in here, around about the hundred some pages, because for the first couple hundred, for the first hundred pages, so he just kind of rambles, but he actually gets into the tactics of how to actually disrupt uh, a modern society when he finally gets into it. And after looking through that, I finally realized it's all game. It, it, it all of it is. So, and and then what you buying into was in another book written in, at the end of the eighties about that. I can't see it freely because my son's nearby. About that agenda, the alphabet agenda, and how they're going to mainstream their agenda to us. They wrote that textbook and playbook out now. So when you come back and say. Well, look at them. Look at us. That is classic textbook playing into what they want to mainstream their agenda, which we know is an unhealthy and un unnatural agenda. Yeah, a lot of people are going to go along with it, but a lot of people like skydiving and smoking and other things that are dangerous. So what? We know that that is an unhealthy agenda. So to now say our rights need to be like their rights. No, 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 no. 
we can't help this. We were given this without a choice. All right, we didn't we didn't pick this, and I guarantee you, if I had to pick all over again, I'd pick it a thousand times or twice on Sunday. But we didn't pick this; they did. Yeah. That situation hey. is not similar to ours. Right, I'm gonna try right. to swap over here. We weren't asking for the same rights as the LGBT community or the Asian community. See, what I'm saying is, this is where that protesting and marching thing, where we make sure that we're marching and protesting for a common cause and a certain agenda. Black men come together. That's the first issue. Black men have an issue with coming together. Once we come together, we need to figure out what it is that we all want that we can agree on. And if we can't agree on it, then that's the first problem. Because we can't go in there and ask for something that we all don't want. So once we figure all of that out, then we go, hey, we as black men, this is what we want. And we lay it out on the table for them. It's not that we want to be equal to the Asians or to the Europeans or to whoever else. We want to be whole as black men. We want to have whatever rights are entitled to us. And we want it laid out like this. Boom. That's what we want. We're not trying to play. Well, y'all did this for them. Why you can't do this for us? No, we're entitled by all the citations and everything that you said to be able to function and, and uh, live under these laws then make it so. Make it so that when you see me carrying my M4 walking down the street slug on my shoulder, that you look at me the same way you look at that white man with his M4 slung over his shoulder. That's what I'm saying. Civil rights or black rights? Paul, go. <laughs> well, you know, I agree with Ron. I mean, you can't separate. I, I personally don't think you can separate them. And I say that because, uh, it's kind of like I think Josh said, you know, when you go in for black males, these are rights. I mean, you're going to get stopped at the door. Simple as that. I mean, because one, you're going to say that what politician is going to support just that. So we have a problem there. That's the challenge. So what politician who will put his own self on the line to alienate his other constituents would do that? Not very many who wants to get reelected or elected. As simple as that. So here's what we do. To combat, I think, what Josh said about the M4, you know, the M4, you know, walking down the street, why, why not treat, why wasn't Flando Castile treated, you know, in Minneapolis when he said, you know, that, hey, I'm a registered, you know, I, I'm a registered gun owner and you get shot. So here's one thing we have to do as black men, we can come together and do this. We go to our communities, right? We take back over our communities. It's simple as that. And, and you know, it, it's, it's not transactional because it takes time to do. We have to be with our families. We have to lead our families. This is further down the road now. We have to lead our families and be role models in our own communities and take back our communities. When that happens over a period of time, uh, then maybe people will see us walking down the street with an M4 differently. But you know, that's a lot of that's a lot of rhetoric. I talked, I know that. Now I don't have a plan, but that's just something we could do. Over. David, Thanks. black rights, civil rights. Go. Um, I, I heard the uh the the argument that Scan made and you know, the, the issue with uh, black men specifically coming together and saying and demanding they want this is 
Black Panthers came together, said they were doing it to protect their community from the brutality of the, of the police. They were labeled as terrorists. Afghanistan, the Al-Qaeda came together to control the poppy seed fields on behalf of the, the Afghanistan government. They decided that they needed to cut down on the poppy seed production because it was killing the population. When they did that, they violated the contract with the British and America. They were labeled as terrorists. Every time a, a, a group of black men come together to start saying they're gonna do something, terrorists. You got the UCC community, the people who believe in the Uniform Commercial Code. They started forming their little groups to be able to educate people as to what their rights were. 2011, 2010, the FBI labeled them as terrorists. This is an ongoing thing when we start demanding our rights that were labeled as terrorists. So here you have a mass group of people marching during the, uh, the, the police brutality way before, uh, um, forgive, forgive me, um, Floyd. And uh, that was during the Obama administration where there was more police brutality going on than was advertised. And the communities that came together to protest, you had other communities, uh, not communities, uh, other people involved in that interjected into that, that were causing chaos, destroying uh, public restaurants and things of that nature. It's, it's one thing for us to be able to come together and start demanding our rights. Um, but when we just start building, forgetting what we're asking them for, but if we just start coming together and just start building our own communities where we can grow our own food, building our own places where we can exchange our money. Um, there's an African, uh, it's, it is a, it's an African program going on right now. I don't know exactly what it's called, where the communities, uh, and it's not a pyramid scheme, but the communities actually giving money to each other uh, it, by the 200s, 300s, and then it builds up as it circulates among the community. Um, these are not things that, that are uh, new. They're not, they're, not, they're not new. It's just that now we've gotten to the point to where we're supposed to stay inside our homes and forget about what's going on across the world. This is a human rights issue. This is not just a black people issue. This is a human rights issue. Um, and the slave trade, human trafficking is one of the biggest money makers in the world. If you go into your central uh, comprehensive annual financial report, you'll find out that the majority of your city's money, the state's money is made by taxes and fines. This means that it, it really doesn't matter what community they're affecting. They're gonna hit the community that they can get the most money from. So we gotta understand how we're gonna come together needs to supersede demanding rights that we already have. We need to start invoking these rights and using them and educating each other on these rights so that we can rebuild our community and stop asking them for things that we naturally, naturally already have. Got you. Let me ask you this, um, uh, Coach, because this becomes a very interesting and complex topic. Um, but the ideal here is that from what I'm hearing is black rights is a part of civil rights, which is a part of the human rights, which is what we all are supposed to have. So I, so, and, and I hear what Ron is saying, right? That the ideal of um, divide and conquer, we can make that work easy and we buy into it but we still haven't answered when the rights that we do have are not equally applied to the people. And so my question then becomes, 
are black Americans and or people of color receiving their equal rights under the law. What do you think? Are we, are we receiving them or are we not? What do you think, coach? Technically, yes, we are receiving them, but part of the problem still stems from something you said earlier. There's still a divide and conquer mentality between the different minority groups in the country. You know, like one of the big ones now I, I argue with some people is people feel like um, there was a, some legislation passed to protect Asian Americans. And they were like, well, they didn't do that for us. But I'm like, if you look back, look at the civil rights legislation that was passed. Didn't that help us? And then I also go into the fact that um, part of it, it goes back to the uh, model minority myth. I don't know if any of you've heard of that, where we they put Asians, they use Asians and Asian success in the country to say to black people and other minorities, why can't you do it too? And then what does that do? How many of you know someone that's just totally, they think Asians have all the advantages, but they were put in that, but part of it happened because of white supremacy. We've been kind of pushed towards thinking that they have all the advantages. And that's just my opinion. Now, something else to think about, like right now, you're seeing more Asian Americans speaking up for the first time, especially second or third generation Asians that have been in the country. They're more vocal as compared to their parents and grandparents who just felt, if I don't say anything, I'll stay out of trouble. So now they're finally speaking up and demanding their rights. And it's making some other people, making us a little mad because we think they're doing more for, for us when we're all in the same boat in terms of dealing with racism and white supremacy in this country. It ain't us versus them. If you look back throughout history, especially in this country, you have seen Blacks and Asians marching for the same causes. Go to a Black Lives Matter rally. You will see Asian Americans out there with us because the same thing that's happening to us can happen to them. So I think it's all intertwined, Coach. Okay. That's just Ron, my personal go. Ron, go. Rose says, technically. Okay, well, let me ask some technical questions of each man here. When you woke up this morning and you left your home and you got in the vehicle of choice or whatever mode of transportation you chose to go in, technically, did anybody stop you and ask you where you were going? When you got to your destination, wherever that was, your job, the store, your friend's house, did anybody approach you and say, technically, what business do you have here? When you go to whatever grocery store you go to or however you acquire your food and you go to the shelves and you take the stuff off the shelves and you go up to the counter to pay for it, does anybody ask you, technically, have you met your rations for the month? Stop. You are the freest group of people on the face of this earth in the history of humankind at this point right now. Is everything perfect? No, and it never will be because humanity is not perfect. But we are chasing ghosts and crying about something that has nothing to do with anything. The only individual, whatever color they may be, that has anything to do with hindering me from what I need to accomplish for myself and the family that I've chosen is the guy that I see in the mirror every day. And as soon as we as males accept that, then we will grow up to become men and accept responsibility for the choices that we've made. 
and take care of those consequences. Some of them are great, some of them are not so great. I would have some of the same consequences that some other guys would have had I gotten caught in the nonsense that I was in. Thank God I didn't. I'm not saying that I'm better than that or nothing like that, but at the same time, I recognize and appreciate that. But I can't hold on to that and say, well, let me sing the same sad song just because. No. We, 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 we have to stop. It's over. Now it's just being played. It, it, and, and, and here's how I know it's being played. Because people are so quick to drop George Floyd's name, but they don't drop David Dorn's name. They've given this guy this huge chariot nationalized funeral. And David Dorn was that was a side was a side mention. They named legislatures for that came up for absolutely no sense after him, a junkie. And he was a junkie because his autopsy, when he was found dead, said he had drugs in his system. So let's this is technically, but nothing's named after David Dorn and other individuals who have actually served their communities the way that you guys are asking people to serve their communities. They serve their communities. They served them without solicitation or hesitation, and they did it, and they did not get the, the praise they received. But we glorify somebody who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. For what? We need to stop. We're buying a narrative. We need to stop. We're stronger than that. We need to stop. We need to stop buying whatever somebody's selling that plays our emotions and makes us feel good. Stop it. Think for ourselves. Understand the pride and the value that we have in ourselves and step up and say, you know what? However you choose to see me or not, it doesn't matter because I know who I am. I know whose I am and I know what I am. And move and be successful with that. But we keep waiting on somebody to bring us a basket of eggs for some reason. Man, get over it. You want 40 eggs in a mule? Go get a job and buy it. Well, let, 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 me ask, let me ask you this. I, I, I hear you. Um, you do that, and you are successful in maintaining that. You reach for it. You become the, the man that you want to be. And uh, then someone decides that you are not going to achieve what you want to achieve because I'm in the position and power to prevent you from having it. How do you receive it? How do you get it? I've been in that situation. I can tell you right now, Doc, and it may be come to a grin to you and your guests, but the folks that have decided that, more of them have had the skin color that I have than less. More of the folks that have told me and have been intimidated by me and have knocked me down have looked like me. And they've been male and female, older and the same age. So that's why I'm saying my life you, cannot buy this lame narrative that we continue to that we continue to run. I can't buy it. How did you deal with it? How did you deal with it? Well, I'm not. I wasn't in the military, so I, I cannot take credit for that. But I've met people that are in the military. I adapted and I moved on. I negotiated the obstacle. That's what I did. I I sucked it up. I looked my family in the face. I looked myself in the face. I grew a backbone and a set of something else, and I moved on, and I went into something else, and it may have been a failure also, and I accepted that failure, and I moved on into something else, and it may have been a failure also, but I negotiated the obstacle, Doc, and I kept moving. We we come to something that's a failure, and somebody else may be wrong, and then we want to sit and whine and point fingers. Could that not I be? Can't, I, can't, I can't accept. I, 
could that not be could that not be what the other individuals choose to do as their options to make a difference and to keep moving forward is by protesting and by marching? Or is that just a personal thing? Well, while they were out protesting and marching last summer, I was working and paid for my entire second year, second year of school. So you can say what you want to say, but as of yet, nobody is packed being in two places at one time and sold it for $9.99 a bottle. Well, I, well I, I get it, but my, my point that I'm trying to that I'm trying to put out there, not trying to make that I'm just trying to put out there, is that individuals um, see the ability to um, move forward when they're not down, uh, when they're disenfranchised, when they're when they're not, regardless of the color, regardless when when you are not allowed to have what you should have because the law says you should have it, how do you deal with that? And I think that's what this conversation is about, is having to try to understand what do we do next? Do we do this through legislation? Do we do it through um, just pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps? Does it mean that we, we put on bigger draws and walk out and say, hell, I'm a man and I'm just gonna make this thing happen. And you've got other individuals that saying, no, you're not gonna make this happen. And then how do you make that happen? So my, my other question, which this dovetails into is this, do you feel like black Americans and or people of color have received their fair share of protections under the law? All right, I'll tell you what. I don't. Um, and that's not in every situation, in every case. And I, I'm going to say for... I'm going to say for the majority of people, they've experienced some sort of um, obstacle, we're going to call it, that in some way, shape, or form, prevented them from reaching, from reaching their success factor. I'm going to say that. So with that being said, if I'm doing everything right within the law, everything that I personally can do to be a success story by, you know, the terms of success and someone chooses to decide, okay, well, because of my hair, they're not going to promote me or, or put me where I need to be or won't let me get the platform that I have. Is that my fault? Should I have to cut my hair because of my, you know, because they're not letting me get this. I get what Ryan said. And I understand that's how he dealt with it or other people may view it the way he did and they deal with it that way as well. But why do I have to change my plans that have been, working for me up to this point because one individual chooses to not agree with me or, or not like it. It shouldn't have to be that way. Brother, that's called life. I mean, I ain't trying to come at you personally, but that's life, brother. I mean, I didn't get to be 6'3 and 225 with 5% body fat. That's life, man. man just, what, do you, what, do you, what do you want to have happen in that situation? I was in education. 
for over for over ten years, and I walked away from it because I got tired of put. I got tired of pushing falsehood because I wanted to truly try to solve a problem. But the folks who worked with me and over me, they wanted a problem to persist because what we like to have is if a problem persists, we now have a reason and a rationale to employ whatever means and methods of quote unquote solving them. We 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 see. I mean, think back. Those of us that are old enough. The, the the old uh, thing used to be, oh, I'm going to balance the budget. I'm going to balance the budget. I'm going to balance the budget. Everybody that was going to office was going to go in there and balance the budget. If everybody was going to balance it, why did it never get balanced? They wanted a problem to persist so that if a problem persists, now we have a reason for the solution. What does that sound like? His tactics keep the, keep the enemy off beat, move the goalposts continually so there's no target to hit. And guess what? We keep sucking it up, sucking it up. And I'm just saying, if you just stop sucking it up for a minute, then you'll realize, what is my hair? What is the clothes I'm wearing? What is this? What is that? What is that compared to the, the, the place that I want to be or the position that I want to be in? If it's that important to you, I understand. You got principles to that deep that deeply. I respect that. But in the grand scheme of things, you got people that are dependent on you. You got folks that you put your word out as an obligation to then you're going to have to say, okay, is this worth me giving up my word for? And right now, we're willing to lay our word down for a few pieces of silver. Why? Why? Now, I'm, I'm going to stop after this. I'm going to stop after this. You said something about... um. Okay, all right. Well, David. Yeah, yeah, let me... A black American or people of color receiving their fair share of protections under the law. No, I would say that with with a capital N O. No, um, and and I, I hear my brother's argument uh, to where some of that is based upon um, the paradigms that they force themselves to live in, and some of that is also based upon the paradigms that society has created for them. Um, it's it is it's it's not a secret that um, there was a disproportion uh, in in the uh, the way the laws were enacted upon people of, of color. It's, that's not a secret that we were enslaved. And that's not a secret that that was a trade. So it happened worldwide. It didn't just happen to people of color. Um, but the issue still remains that there are, there are psychological effects that have um, affected us as a whole. And so those things have to be healed. If you are a teacher and you, uh, you, you get a student who seems to be a little bit harder to educate than the other students, then you can choose to not care or you can choose to care to the point to where you, you uh, attempt to um, make a connection with this child specifically that you may be able to reach them on a level that maybe their parents can't. You know, uh, uh, this is, this is it, when you're talking about uh, having to deal with life, and I'm familiar with the labor laws. You know, what do you do when your boss is uh, discriminating against you because of your color or your culture, and you make the necessary changes to make your 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 uh, uh, employers aware of this, and instead of him getting fired, he gets promoted. Um, what do you do? when they do this to somebody else and they keep doing it to somebody else and they keep doing it to somebody else and you having the power to change it, don't. You can no longer complain about the paradigms that we live in. Um, but then when it comes down to you 
and it affecting somebody in your family, like your child or your daughter, now what do you do? Um, I'm thinking that in, in, in the sense of, of us as a, as a people, we're all dealing with the same things. We're all going through the same things. Everybody's going through the same thing. And this was the issue with Fred Hampton because when he went around to the people talking to them about the, the equal issues that they had under the law, this was what brought them together. This is also what got him killed. And so it, it's, it's one of the things to where, uh, why is it that the Judas normally looks like us? You know, uh, I would ask that question. But, you know, it, as far as the, the circumstances that we face being a part of life, um, I don't believe that that's how life is supposed to be. I believe that there should be a struggle, uh, but not to the extent to where there, there is an obvious, obvious burden and an obvious injustice that was placed upon us simply because of uh, what they consider to be a, 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 a threat. You know, um, I don't think that that was something, I think that was something that was engraved in stone and prophesied upon long before our, th this particular culture of America uh, came, came to be about. So I just think that we need to focus more upon uh, uh, educating ourselves as a, as a community, as a whole. Um, there are a lot of things going on. There are a lot of things that are going on that uh, we as a people have not educated each other towards. There's, there's people who live right across the street from me who grow their own food. I'm growing my own food in the background. Why can't we share secrets about how to, how to, how to grow food? Things like that should and need to start happening. It, it doesn't matter what's taking place uh, as far as um, um, the injustices that are, that are taking place if we're not even dealing with the division that we have within ourselves. And so when we start there, then we can branch out. But I don't think that that means that we shouldn't be saying something about the things that are taking place just because that offers a contrast. I don't think that's, that's, that doesn't sound right. Gotcha. Bro, Paul, bro, Paul. Are Black Americans and people of color receiving their fair share of protections under the law? Well, the way you stated it, yes, they are. As simple as that. You have equal protection under the law, but the way the way the law is applied ah. becomes the challenge. And it, when I say it applied, two ways. First of all, from the judicial system or the penal system. I mean, that's where the unequalness comes in. I mean, I was just reading an article today where a Pennsylvania judge, Pennsylvania judge refused to give black defendants uh, plea, uh, plea deals. He wouldn't do it. You know, that's not equal. So he finally changed it. The next thing is the way we're policed. It's not, it's not equally applied. I mean, it goes back to, you know, what Josh was saying, you know, the way people are treated you know, it's just not equally applied. The law is there, but the way it's applied is not. That's all I have. Over. Got you. Well, gentlemen, it is that time for the magic wand question. Um, the magic wand is if you had a magic wand and you could take it, whirl it around, boom, hit the individual with it, and everybody has to do whatever it is that you're telling them to do because you have a magic wand. So, Here's the magic wand question for us tonight. And I'd like for each one of you to take a crack at it. Um, that we're, we're getting close to that midnight hour <laughs> or bewitching hour. So, you know, give us your best thought. What's the one thing, if you had a magic wand, you think President Biden could do if you waved it over and hit him with it 
to improve the welfare of Black Americans or people of color with an executive order, what would that be? What would you make him do with your magic wand? Who would like to go first? Well, I'll go first. Um, and President Biden, as you say, with his executive order, which if the details and the specifics uh, are correct, I think he's written the most of any president in the history of the United States thus far in less than 150 days. But, you know, we don't hear about that. After he said anybody who rules by executive order is a dictator, but we don't hear anything about that. But let's pass those two small details and go to the fact that he was the vice president under the first African-American president of the United States. So it would seem to me that if he was going to do something that would benefit Black Americans specifically, probably when he was the vice president to the first Black American president, that probably would have been the best time for him to do it, but he didn't do it then. Uh, his actual record does not record him having a very favorable record towards Black Americans with the 94 crime bill and some other things that he's on video of saying. So with my magic wand, I don't have a high anticipation of anything that he probably will do to benefit Black Americans going forward. But all of that is kind of based on specifics and details that are actual fact, not my theory or rhetoric or what the TV told me to think about him, but the thing that he's actually done in, what is it, about 50 years in office? So that's that's kind of the fact of the matter uh, about that individual there, the president, that is. What would you have him do is the question. My honest answer? Yes. Uh, just come clean and admit it was fake and turn it over and go sit down and let somebody that's competent actually do the job that he's faking to do. That would probably be the best thing for all of us. All right. I mean, I know my brother's making faces, but you can kind of look at what he has done so far. I mean, $10 trillion, which is enough to pay the yearly salary for every single American, all 325 of us, enough to repave every single federal interstate full time, federal road four times over, and you've just handed it out and created X amount of inflation. I don't see how that's helping anybody, regardless of what color you are. So what I would have them do is probably just step away and let somebody who can do the job do it. Got you. Bro, Paul, what would you do with your magic wand? Well, um, executive orders are, are limited in scope, which means the next president could just get rid of them when he comes in. Uh, he's no different than any other president we've had with the executive orders. But what I would do, he can't do, I would pack the court. I would make Hawaii and Puerto Rico a state. I would pack the court and I would turn the tides on the conservative court. That's exactly what I'd do, but I can't, so I'll be quiet, thanks. Well, but you got the magic wand, that's why- well, what, what would I do? But he can't do it because it takes, you know, it takes legislation. It has to go through the Senate to do that. But I would pack the court. I make the District of Columbia a state. I make Puerto Rico a state. 
and I would pack the court. As simple as that. Because presidents come and go. They come and go. It's the Supreme Court that you have to worry about. That's what shapes our country for decades to come. Right now, we have a conservative board, and it will be there for a while. President Obama made one mistake when he was president. God rest her soul, he didn't ask Ruth Bader Ginsburg to retire. And I think he should have done that before his last year when Mitch McConnell, my homeboy, blocked his, his nominee to the Supreme Court. So I'll just say that, pack the courts, thank you. Got you, Josh, you had your magic wand and poof, you can hit him with it and he had to do it, what would it be? If I had a magic wand, the one thing that I would definitely hit him with would probably be, honestly, I, it would just, it, it would be just, I would like for everybody to switch roles for 30 to 40 days so that the, the, the upper class can live like the lower class, vice versa, so that they can experience what they hear about. It's different when you actually experiencing what someone is talking about or that adversary, adversary, adverse, can't talk right now, adversity mm -hmm. that Ryan was talking about, you know, it's different when you experience that firsthand than when you just hear it about. So that, that would be my magic wand. Gotcha. Brother Coleman, you had that magic wand. You waved it, boom. What would you make him do? That's a good question. Um, you know, aside from resigning, uh, it would be that he would change the uh, Board of Education's protocol on how they teach history and law in the schools, especially in the, uh, uh, in the elementary and public schools. Uh, change that mess immediately uh, and start teaching the real history. Uh, and and uh, I think that it should be to the point to where the, the, um, uh, the, the real history of of the, the uh, transatlantic slaves should be taught. I think that they should actually teach more languages in elementary. I think it, education across the board as far as, far as the, the, you know, uh, uh, the school board is concerned should be changed. Gotcha. Last but not, never least, Brother Kerry Hargit. Magic right, wand, thanks, Coach. what would you do? And I would have to agree with um, Brother Paul. Um, executive orders are just pointless. Because like he said, the next man up can come in and just change anything you've done to help a group of people. And um, I, I'll just piggyback off what he said. I mean, th that's a tough one. And, and I think I would, if I had the magic wand, I would really want legislation. I want real laws that are gonna affect change. You, it can't be something temporary. Like right now, the big thing is voter rights. I mean, while we're sitting here, and I think Brother Paul mentioned it, the conservative movement is just chopping away at our voting rights, especially in the communities of, of minorities. They're making it more difficult for us to vote. And I think if I could wave the wand, it, I would probably, that might be one of the first things because we have to get our people in office. And I hate, and I'm not talking about being black. I mean, people who have the same agenda, think like we think, want the same goals. And, and that's what it's gonna take. And it's, it's not an overnight solution. It's gonna take hard work. But it has to start there. I would probably want, hey, require if I have to pay people to 
like to give two years of service to knock off, um, you know, the public service to knock off some of the student loan debt and things like that. I mean, I don't even know the answer, Coach, but I, I'm just saying it, it it has to be big. And I mean, hey, maybe I'll just say student loan debt. Let's just get rid of all that, give everybody a clean slate so they don't leave college in debt. I, I'll go with that one. So. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard Remnant Speaks. Again, this topic can go on for infinitum. We all got our different thoughts, our different understandings, our different way of seeing things. But this is how we get better. We don't get better by not talking. We don't get better by bashing one another. We get better by listening and thinking about the possibilities that exist. So here at Remnant Speaks, I wanna thank each and every one of our panelists for being here this evening. I know they could have been a thousand other places, but they decided to spend it with us this evening. And I want them to know that they're always welcomed on Remnant Speaks or any other thing Remnant Fellowship does. Now I pray and hope that God will open up a window of heaven and pours all out a blessing so much that it overflows our cup that we have to drink from our saucer. I am the Reverend Dr. Coach Jake, and I hope that I'll see you next Tuesday. You have just heard Remnant Speaks. God bless you, and may heaven shine upon you.